the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I was going to say, who was going to do it first? I was waiting first. for you to do it first. I was going to see. Just saying. This is the last show of the year. I just, just oh. going to see who's ready to run the other one over. Oh. <laughs> I guess we're there yet, are we? No. It is. It is. New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve. Unreal. Mm-hmm. Went by a lot faster than 2021. 22 flew by. Of course, in some instances, I'm glad it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like 21, I was glad parts of it was gone in 20. Problem is, I'm getting older by the year, not younger. That's how it That's works. not a good thing. That's how it works, though. Snap, crackle, pop is no longer a breakfast cereal. <laughs> it's how my ankles feel I'm every morning I wake up. My hips do the same thing. I snap, crackle, and pop my ankles, and... Then I'm ready to get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New Year's Eve. So, ha- first of all, Happy New Year's Eve to everyone. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Um, I know there's a lot of people have a lot of problems around the holidays and all. I, I hope you, uh, I hope you got some a reprieve from those issues or, or whatever. You know, it's like I started going back through. You know, I had a, a, a granddaddy that died a couple of weeks before Christmas. One of my grandmothers died on the 23rd. Grandmama had surgery on New Christmas Eve day or day eve or whatever. I mean, it's just, and I could, I could dwell on that, you know, and I'm sure some people do and some people have a right to do probably, but then again, Got married December fifth. Jordan was born December fourteenth. There's, there's good and bad about Christmas time. Um, but I hope I hope you had a good one. I hope you were you were surrounded by those that loved you and you ate a lot. Mm-hmm. Lord knows we did. Although we had to cancel one, we're hopeful we can give in tomorrow. Um. What happens when your niece and her husband live in Minnesota? (laughs) (laughs) A long way from home. And you can't just say, oh, well, let's do it this other day. You have to, you know, make arrangements. But I was going to give you a report on what it was like to have three little boys in our our, uh, house for the first time in like 50 years. But I won't be able to give you that report until next weekend. (laughs) Probably going to be crazy. It is going to be a zoo. I predict it will be an absolute zoo. It's a zoo with one of them. Four ring circus, six ring circus. Oh. 
Oh, that's why I couldn't hear myself. Yeah, you, okay. you kind of far apart. But anyway, okay. Uh, we we do have a calendar event of event for tomorrow. An event for the calendar. Whatever. <laughs> Brought to you at Capital City. I like Mario Country. Uh, and that is first day hikes. Goodness gracious, alive. They are like... Uh, there's ranger runs at Devil's Fork. There's jungle trails at Aiken State Park. First day hike at Barnwell. Pretty much, it looks like maybe. And it's got to be, I think count them up. 5, 10, 15, 20. I bet every state park tomorrow has a hike or a run. Little PD has the Beaver Pond Nature Trail Passage. Lake Placid at Paris Mountain, Rose Hill at Tiger River Trail, Tiger River Trail at Rose Hill, Hike the Bike Trail at Santee. So pretty much any state park in South Carolina has a first day hike. Make your New Year's resolutions now to get yep. out and hike more. I was going to see if it was free to get in, but <laughs> doesn't look good. There wasn't any prices on it. I look. Yeah, but you got to get into the state park. Well, if you have your state park pass, then you are doing well, fine. Well, we, we told people to get it, so. <laughs> if you got it for Christmas, there's your yeah, first time. Yeah, there's your first time using your Christmas present. I wonder how many people actually took our advice and got Christmas presents we recommended. I don't know. Interesting. It I would be. Or maybe not. <laughs> maybe nobody. Maybe nobody. You're those right. Those two can't get off those same things every year. Because <laughs> we uh, like them so much. You can hear them now. It's just, it's just good stuff, and you have new listeners every year. And for those of you who have been hearted, maybe one of these years you will End up see the down. light. Mm-hmm. We kind of have like flashbacks the- to the Blues Brothers. Do uh-huh. you see the light? <laughs> okay. This is kind of a calendar, but not really. Yeah, we, we've had a big argument about this. Well, not a big argument. But a family discussion about this the other day. It's when does deer season end? Yes. Would you like to do it? No, you go ahead. You're doing a great job. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> yeah, when does deer season end? There's talk of people saying that deer season's going to end on January 2nd, which is Monday, because. January 1st is a Sunday. Public lands aren't open. But there is one website saying it ends December 31st. There's another on DNR saying it's going to end January 1st. But those are, the same two, those are the same two websites. Oh, okay, that's true. But yeah. it's just different. One's just the E-reg yeah. side of it. One's the back of your tags. My, I mean, back of all tags say January 1st. Which is private lands. Yeah. So what's the deal? When when does it end? January 1st. On what? Private lands. When does it end on game management land? December 31st. Which is today. Yes. Sundown today, it's over on game management land. Yes. Does not roll over until Monday. Mm -mm. So please don't make that mistake. Please, please don't. Yeah. You don't that's not a good way to end your deer yeah, season. It's not. Um but if you are seventeen and under and you haven't felt tag yet, you're in luck because you still have youth days. And I wish I would have valued my youth days a lot more than I did. Yeah, you could have blew them off. 
It's, was it the 14th and 15th? No. When is, oh, January 7th. And then 14th and 15th of January is um, the free hunting, hunting days. days. For anything that is in season. Yeah, so not, not deer, deer season. Yeah, not deer season. So deer season, what are the regulations for youth deer day? For very, very slowly and carefully. Where Where is it? I lost it. There's dove. It's. There it is. Okay. So. Oh, Sophie. My goodness. It's it's supper time. <laughs> Sophie sits over here and just moans and groans until we feed her. Uh, okay, so January 7th, a uh, limit of two deer total. Tags are not required for youth. They do have to be accompanied by an adult. Um, there's a couple of WMAs that are closed. Because of duck season. Yes. Um, mostly down in the low country, Santee Coastal Reserve, Bear Island, Santee Cooper, some other places. You can go to DNR to find all those, depending on where you're hunting. But, yeah, January 7th, Youth Day, two deer limit, no tags required. Adult needs to be with them, though. Okay. Free hunting days, which is January 14th and 15th on private lands and January 14th on WMA lands. First, let me tell you, wear your hunter orange. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be on game management lands, non-hunter, just hiker, biker, dog walker, wear your hunter orange. It's just to keep everybody safe. Um, special opportunity is only valid for residents of South Carolina do not have a current state hunting license. On these days, you are permitted to hunt without a state hunting license or other required permit to include wildlife management areas, permanent migratory waterfowl permit on all lands in which hunting is allowed, including private lands and wildlife management areas. They are not otherwise closed to hunting. Some may be closed for waterfowl hunting, uh, but it's all existing seasons, bag limits, and methods of take still apply. So you'll need to go to the Department of Natural Resources webpage, look at what's in season, most probably rabbit, quail, squirrel, squirrel and 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 make sure you you got it down before you head to the woods. And watch watch your gun too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the best of with uh, Hunter Bridges talking about photography today. We will see y'all next week. Next year. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. My uh, my co-host is is gone to study. It's uh, I think I remember what that was like. Somewhere in the back of my head, I have these nightmares about studying. But I I think actually what it was was I dreaded going to class the next day because I hadn't studied because I've been doing something I shouldn't have been doing the day before, like hunting and fishing or something like that. And so it wasn't like I was really stressed out about studying. It was like I didn't study anyway, so what am I worried about? But I worried about flunking. So that could be me, but she's not like that. She is. She's got her goals and she's focused, and that's good. So I give her a pass on that. Um, she'll be back with us next week. And uh, in the meantime, um, on really short notice, folks, because this this week's calendar turned upside down in a real hurry because of my birthday party with one of my other guests that was supposed to be on, uh, and Hunter had actually. We messaged like a few days ago because when you were on and we were talking about the quail thing, 
We mm-hmm. got this whole discussion about photography and Wild Carolina and and all that, and we were like, okay, we need to do this again. And your message to me was, hey, let's don't forget about this. So I tag your it, and here you are. Here I am. I'm <laughs> so to be. yeah, and and last time we were on, we were talking, you know, the the Quail Forever gig that you have here in South Carolina, and mm-hmm. and we're not going to spend much time on that. But I tell you what, I'm hearing. Sure. And not just from other quail people, I'm hearing a lot of people say, I heard a quail the other day. I'm so, I, I, I'm just grinning from here to here to hear that. And I, yeah. I just, and these are these are random people who know I love quail. Yeah. And all, and, and as we talk, especially during deer season, a lot of people are in the woods and all, and they're posting saying, hey man, I heard a Bob White whistle tonight. It, it, you know, I saw, I jumped into a covey in here to scare myself to yeah. death or something like that. And these are not people who are worried about quail hunting or planning mm-hmm. for quail or quail habitat management. I'm so happy to hear that. These are just these are just guys with property who say, I'm seeing more quail. I'm hearing the same thing, especially on these sites where habitat, uh, you know, upland habitat restoration is taking place. These these birds are responding, man, and it's, it's so encouraging. That's just, uh, I guess it's got chills. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Is that, it's like a weird thing. I mean, between you and me, it's not, but I wonder how many people just go, started going, I don't know if I want to listen to the rest of this show with these two on here or not. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, hey, man, I get chills. I'm in the first time. But the folks, if you're if you're listening out there and you're thinking, okay, these two are really off the deep end, you got to understand this. These are our roots. I mean, this is this is this is our passion. We we deer hunt, we duck hunt, we do whatever it is outdoors. Uh, but our but from my early childhood, quail was, and they say they say the happiest times of your life are the things you remember most, which just makes sense. And mm-hmm. it seems like some of the happiest times of my life were behind a bird dog with my neighbor Kenneth. I mean, just, yeah. you know, those Absolutely. were the carefree days, no worries, just how many cubbies are we going to find today? And, you know, watching that bird, you know, is, is the dog going to be better than she was? Did she learn from the lesson we taught her last, you yeah. know? So yeah. it's not like we're weird or anything. It's just, you know. Well, maybe we are. But well, we okay. could be, but anyway. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's. I mean, I'm hearing it from a lot of people. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm hearing it from a lot of people, and it's really, it, like you said, I mean, it seems like the birds are really responding to whatever yeah. happens right now. Yeah. And it's not just bobwhite quail. The way I see it is, I, I know this isn't our topic. We won't yeah. talk a whole lot. <laughs> so it would be very easy to do. Uh, it's, to me, it's, it's, it's about more than just bobwhite quail. I mean, that's sort of the banner, um, uh, you know, under which we're, we're restoring these, these upland habitat areas. But, man, uh, I mean, uh, so many other species, oh, game yeah. and like are responding. I mean, the man, the the deer, uh, the deer activity I'm seeing on these um, on these uh, quail focal areas is, is incredible. I mean, hey, if I'm what if I want to manage for white-tailed deer, I'm going to do what I do for quail, I, and I'm, sure. I'm serious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it really stuff. And the rabbits are coming with that, and and you know, your songbirds are coming after that, and mm-hmm. you're, 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 pollinators. These species that are that are a lot of which are struggling. Uh, yeah. Man, they're 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 responding well. Yeah. Michael Hook, I said something profound to Michael Hook one time. And he just like in silence. He was just like, "Wow, that's pretty good." I said, "I said, uh, Michael, when you when you manage for small game, it's almost like you manage for all game." You're right. And I was You're like, right. "Okay, I'm done. Mic drop. Let's there you go. Shut it Mike. down." Mike. Yep. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, we'll we'll have you back on for some updates later on on the quail yeah. and other stuff and all. But photography, you know, yeah. 
the last time we had John, we we started off air, I think, talking about photography. You were talking about Wild Carolina that you, you know, you used to be almost a professional photographer, and I love to. I'm a hack, but I love to take pictures too. A lot of people sure. love to take pictures. A lot of people would like to take better pictures. Yeah. And so we were talking about this. We we're like, let's just do. Let's start out with just like a an easy to understand beginner level tips on maybe how to take a better picture mm-hmm. regardless of what kind of camera you got. That's that's absolutely right. And and you know, even though this is and you, you said it correctly, this this would be, you know, maybe considered entry level information, but you, you would carry I, I carry this these five things I want to discuss here are things I'm I'm thinking about every time I hit the shutter button, literally. <laughs> um, so I mean, even now, any any photographer, you know, the more you the more you do it, the, the more you start to really think about these elements and, and realize how how much they impact your your photography. So um, yeah, these are five things that I think really would uh, are going to help anybody. Again, like you said, regardless of your camera equipment, I started out with uh, like you know anybody uh, with a, a very basic point and shoot camera. Sure, and went through some frustrations with it. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, it was not a, a high-performing DSLR and, and all that, but uh, I, I learned to sort of work with the camera and, and learn to apply these these techniques. And, and my photography went up, uh, the, the quality and, and composition of my images went up significantly. In fact, the first image I ever had published came from a point-and-shoot camera. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife used it. And, uh, uh, in fact, it was a copperhead that stuck my camera lens in its face. That's a, anyway, long story. <laughs> <laughs> that could but, be bordering uh, on. Really, it, was, it was worth it. I, I, I had my hands behind the, uh, behind the camera body, you can imagine, but hey, it was worth it. It was a cool shot. I bet. But, uh, so, yeah, I guess the, the first thing I, I, maybe I should leave this to last because I, I think it's the most important. Number one, think about the eye, the subject's eye. Get eye level, okay? I, it's so often that I see uh, images, especially people wanting to shoot down at something, maybe a duck on the water or a bird in their yard or whatever. Okay. Part of part of what you're trying to do, or at least I think when you're when you're photographing wildlife, is is to bring the viewer something they don't see often. Bring them bring them some intensity, some emotion. You're pretty much not going to get that shooting down. You just no. lose them to see with the subject. If you will take that, keep keep that in mind. If you have to squat down or whatever you need to do. Get eye level with your subject, and your image, the composition quality of your images is gonna is gonna go up significantly. And to that, I would add. Well, let me also say you might say, well, what about shooting up? Sometimes you have to. Sure. With, but shooting up does not uh, subjugate the subject as much as shooting down does. It just you you can get by with shooting up. So I'll just leave it at that. That's a little bit different discussion. Um, but but shooting down on the subject just uh, compromises quality. That eye, the the subject's eye. I've heard okay. it said that if the subject's eye is not in focus, the entire image is out of focus. Um, I don't care if you have the feathers tack sharp or or fur tack sharp, whatever. If that eye is not, if you can't see well, if it's depending on how far it is from the camera, <laughs> sure. you want to see you want to see the crystal clear eye. And that is so true. The more I do this, the more and, and the more I evaluate my own images, and I'm probably more critical of my stuff than uh, than anyone else. And, and um, that's one thing I want to see. If that eye is not tack sharp, I don't care how cool a shot it is, it's going in the trash. It's uh, hit the delete button. Um, All right. On Wild Carolina, it, you have a picture of a frog mm-hmm. climbing some, I don't know what it looked, I don't know what this is, could be 
That's not cut grass. Um, but the eye, the eye is shiny. It's sharp. The other one you're thinking of, that was a that was with a point and shoot camera. Okay. Yeah. But the eye, uh, but but the grass in between you and the the frog is 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 where the blur is, and that frog, his eye, boom. I worked really hard for that. I remember to this day working so because that was before I had the kind of camera equipment I have now. I worked really hard for that shot. Um, I know the one you're talking about, yeah. and yeah, uh, and to this day, and I, I just I want to bring that back up. You know, hey, that's still on my website. I'm shooting much higher end equipment than I had back then. That one's still on my website. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and so again, you know, you don't have to have you know the the latest technology. Uh, but yeah, you're right. That that eye is sharp. Had it not right. been, uh, the whole the whole image would That's be right. would uh, you know compromised yeah. at the very least. It would not be as as impactful. Yeah. Uh, got about a it, got about a minute and a half till we have to take a break. So be careful what you get started on. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll I'll wrap it up with this. If you uh, you know if you're if you're uh, in order to get that sharp eye, most cameras. This is the only remotely technical aspect I'm going to go into in this okay. talk. But most cameras have a, you know, a, a an auto focusing. Uh, or auto-focusing settings that might be single point or, or uh, uh, group AF, all these sorts of things. Right. If you're going with all that, um, I, I, single point is almost always what I use because I can put that, that little square in the center of my frame as I'm looking through the camera, put that square on the eye as I'm eye, eye level with the subject and hit the shutter button. That is, if I had to pick one, a single most important component, that would be it. The eye is it. The eye is it. Get that eye right. Get eye level and get it sharp. That copperhead picture may be on this front page here too. Uh, I can't remember. I haven't he's, been on. He's coiled up. His head's kind of raised up a little bit. He's not that, really, not really yeah. at you. But it, it's a kind. Look, when I scroll through and I saw the copperhead, I kind of stepped back a little bit. I'm like, okay, that's way too close I, for me. I should say this, but I, I came across that snake. He was in really poor light. I, I, I took my fanny pack off very carefully, put him in there, zipped him up, took him to the top of a hardwood ridge with sunlight hitting just the way I wanted it, dropped in there, picked him off to make him coil up, and that's how I shot that. Okay. you got to want it we, bad. We may need to question your sanity at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, got you got the shot. That's exactly right. So, so starting thing, off. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he went off on his own. I left him alone after, alone after that. The eye is it, folks. Get out, and it's, it may be hard. It's not the easiest thing. I'm 55. It, it's kind of hard for me to get down low and get a shot. But you're right; those those shots tend to be better than especially just shooting down at everything. Yeah, so. especially if you're close. Yeah, that's right. Especially if you're close. Wow, you got four more of those. We need to hurry it up. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, no. We'll move it along. Most, yeah. the most important one you take the most time on. So. That, that's right. Are, are we going to break now? or do Yeah, you yeah. To... yeah. Hang on, okay. folks. We'll be back after the break with more Woods and Water, South Carolina. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. It's... Uh, it's a subject that I've wanted to 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 talk about for a while, probably six or seven years now. Um, Hunter Bridges has been good enough to to donate some of his experience and 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 advice, and because he's a he's a a great photographer from what I can see. 
I'd like to be a better one. So I asked him if we could do something on photography. Worked out this week. So we we got first segment in, you know, get the eye in focus, the camera, the, the picture will follow. That's um, right. And he said five of these, so we got to get through two of this segment. We'll, yeah, we'll leave off messing with the quail. We got that plug in the first segment. That's hard um, rabbit hole not to go down. That's yeah, right. So the second thing I wanted to talk about was was getting close. Um, you know, I, I have to preface this by saying, of course, don't do anything. Don't get too <laughs> close. Don't put yourself in danger, and don't harass the animal. Okay, so as long within reason, <laughs> use common sense. But certainly, but in all seriousness, uh, there is no substitute for getting close. Um, you, you might say, well, you know, hey, you can crop later or whatever. Ah. No, you, but it, you, you're, you're going to pull out all that ISO noise. If you know what I mean, well, it, b- bottom line, it, it's going to pull out, it's going to make your image a lot more grainy. That's it's right. Gonna, yeah, it, it's just going to, it's going to soften the whole image. And that's not a, that's not a good thing. So get as close as you can. That being said, very often you're going to end up having to crop anyway. Sure. But don't rely on that. Get as close as you reasonably can. Um, and that also allows you, going back to point one a little bit, to get that catch light in the eye, that little reflection, that little yep. white dot in the eye. That will uh, – that adds so much to an image. Um, and, hey, you know, part of the fun – and let's take it – photography is fun. Uh, absolutely. I, I have a ball taking pictures. It doesn't matter if I'm – I, you know, I, I love to plant Egyptian wheat because the cardinals will get on the head upside down, eating the seed out. And I just think it's hilarious. Yeah. And I have a ball doing it. So part of photography is having fun. And what better fun is trying to actually stalk up on your subject without spooking it. Get close. Or right. sitting there in a blind until they get close enough to you. Either exactly. one. Of it. Yeah. Hey, if you love to hunt, there's no closed season or bag limit on photography. That's exactly right. You can and I have uh, I have there are times when I know I know of properties that are you know completely shut down to hunting and you know of course you know, there are times where I would love to hunt it but you know I know that's not going to happen but I have gone and knocked on so many doors and said hey Hunter Bridges you know uh, Wild Carolina blah 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 you, would you mind if I photograph your property it I don't if I've ever been told no I don't remember it I don't think I've ever been told no do you get many uh, weird looks when you do that oh no I not that oh I never took. <laughs> weird i you know i have a card yeah you know with my website and everything and and uh you know it's 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 always uh yeah go ahead you know either either you know shut the gate when you leave right you know and of course that would go without saying that sort of thing but yeah um man the access you have to to other properties is is uh really a lot of fun and i'm sure with that getting close sometimes you gotta let the picture come to you that's we're gonna talk we're gonna talk a little bit about that (laughs) Whoopsie! <laughs> no, no, you're that, uh, that's that's you're you're right. A little foreshadowing there. I can go with that. All right. And, well. we'll jump ahead. I'll, I, I think uh, we'll we'll wrap up on the on getting close. I think we've okay. made that point. There, cropping is not a substitute. Get as close as you reasonably and safely can, safely for your safety and the animal's sake. Is there any uh, is, in in your experience? Is there any trick to getting close, or is it just sometimes think, you win, I, sometimes you lose? That's a good question. Uh, you mentioned. If we're talking uh, like game species, I'm going to spend a minute on this. Um, uh, yes, camouflage, get in the blind, that sort of thing. Uh, basically, stalk them as though you would, you know, just like you were turkey or deer hunting, right? Okay. That don't get in the deer stand because you're shooting down. Um, <laughs> but, 
be you know be concealed be be ready and that's hey hunters hunters have hunters have an outstanding background uh, and skill set for photography whether they use a camera or not the the skill set is there right so uh, that there's that for getting close what about birds uh, I'm going to share something I've noticed a little bit this okay. maybe uh, a little anecdotal but. I, I don't like camouflage when I'm photographing birds. I feel like I get closer if I wear a muted color, like, uh, uh, gosh, um, white would, would be fine, a light blue, uh, something that allows them to see me very well. I don't want them to think that, hey, this thing could disappear and sneak up on me and eat me at any moment, you know? I feel like I, they allow me to get a little closer if I can, if they can keep an eye on me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, sure. like, when I'm when I'm after warblers or, or other uh, or other birds, um, I, I do kind of usually actually stay away from the camouflage. Um, so that that was a good question. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, All right. Number three, what, uh, watch watch your backgrounds. This is oh. one very easy to forget about because you're so focused on the subject, right? Right. Uh, but like I'll give an example. I see this all the time. People, you know, photographing wildlife in their backyard, which is a, one of the best places to do it. Nothing wrong with that. I do that. Okay, right. so that's a great place to do it. But, you know, you end up with, hey, you know, there's your bird feeder, your hummingbird feeder in the background. There's your crop, you know, your, your, your urban lawn. There's your trimmed hedges. Look, that, if we're talking wildlife photography, you, you're taken away from it with that. Um, so, so think about what's in your background. Uh, Another thing I'll touch on, this is a little tough, a lot tougher to, uh, to actually apply, but, but complementary colors. You know, I, I have a lot of images where the, the subject looks great. Um, I'm thinking of one right now. I have a coyote, really cool shot. He's looking directly at me, but he was in, it was, it was, uh, it was spring. He had a nice winter coat on, but the, the background was green. The, the grass was green, of course. Okay. Um, Man, the sh- that 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 coyote in the grass just clashed. I tossed it. Um, really? Yes. I, I I that's something I want to think about. I, I try to think about the, the, you know complementary colors. What's in my background? Does it complement? Uh, you know, does it complement the entire composition? Um, with wildlife, you're talking about subjects that are already, generally speaking, trying to get away from you anyway. So it's it's really hard to you can't tell them where to stand, right? Right. Um, do, do what you can, and, and I wouldn't say this is the most important thing, but it, it is very much worth considering. Um, do you want to dim your background a little bit when you're photographing yeah, wildlife? When you say dim, uh, do you mean like blurred? No, 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 no. Just like like you you talked about how green the background on the coyote was. Mm-hmm. You know. Is that something you want to watch? Do you want to mute your backgrounds as much as possible? Oh, I see. Like processing. Yeah, you absolutely. You absolutely could. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's a whole post processing <laughs> is another discussion. And there's nothing. There's nothing. Post processing, by the way, has gone on no, long I, before. I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking about that. I was just talking about when you when you're when you're setting up for a shot. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Do you um, want? Do you want to intentionally choose a background where you? That's a good point. Absolutely, when you can. When you can. Um, you can't always do that. But, yes, when you can, uh, by, by all means, that's something very good to think about. And if it's something like a maybe a butterfly or, or something that that may allow you to move around a little bit, okay. Uh, 
move move to another angle. Get uh, you know, get maybe get the cropped lawn out of the background. Okay. Uh, or, or whatever the case may be. Um, uh, or or maybe uh, let me think. Uh, what would if if you see maybe it's a a viceroy or, or a monarch or something, and and you know those, those oranges clash with something in the background. Hey, you know, grab a different angle, and it's something like that. You can often you can oftentimes do that. Yeah. Get low, get low, and shoot up sometimes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, watch your metering. That can be uh, okay. That, that a lot of times your, your camera will want to meter for the sky. Okay. If you, uh, I, I know I'm getting a little more technical here. <laughs> We're not going to go way down this road, but but uh, that's uh, in a situation like that, drop your sp- either drop your shutter speed or raise your ISO or something because you're gonna the camera's going to try to meter for the sky, expose the sky correctly. And then your insect, your your butterfly or whatever is is almost black. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's but but you're you're not uh, with, in terms of composition, you're not wrong. Yes, that okay. that would be a great and as long as you mind your metering, yes, uh, that would be that's what I would try to do. So in a minute and a half that I took away from you talking about no, no. what I would finish up with your background stuff in about a minute. Then so what do you what yeah, do you want sure. to do with your background now? Yeah, so um, you know, we we talked about. I think the number one thing is is make sure the background uh, works with or, or complements uh, or is consistent with your composition. Okay. Uh, you know, I I think a lot about complementary colors, and maybe I'm splitting hairs a little bit there, but it's um, I I, I think it, it it does add something or adds a lot to your image when you can get that right when you can. Um, the last thing is. And here I am going a little bit more technical than we okay. wanted to, but just I'll throw it in there. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, then don't worry about it. Okay. Um, your, your aperture. Yes. Uh, a, a fast aperture. Uh, your aperture just refers to how big around your shutter opens. So, so uh, you know, a, a fast aperture would be a really – it opens up to a big circle, exposing your whole sensor to film. And a, uh, a slow aperture uh, opens up into a, a smaller hole. Um a, a, a faster aperture is going to blur that background. That's going to give you back, what you would call background separation. So your your subject is really tack sharp. Um, okay. uh, uh, portrait people are, are really, well, everybody's really big on this if you can afford a lens fast enough to do it. But, uh, you know, where you have the like the face in perfect focus and everything's real blurry in the background. Right. Yes. That's deliberately with a, with a, like F2.8 or something, F2.8, maybe 1.4 or something like that. Um when you can do that, most lenses that people use are going to start at 5.6, okay. f, f 5.6. You're not going to get a lot of background blur. So it's going to depend on where your subject is with respect to the background. But um, shoot as shoot with as high an uh, as high an aperture. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> shoot with as low an aperture and and just remember that part whether you understand the uh, technical aspect or not. All right. Shoot with as low an aperture as you can. All right. Y'all hang on. We'll be back. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. Welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, as always, it's good to have you here. It's... Uh, you know, Kevin Cohen from down in the down at uh, 100.7 WQXL, the you know, point down in Columbia, asked me the other day. I, I he asked me to call in and talk about the the Black Bass World Championships that are going on down at uh, Lake Murray this weekend, or last weekend this weekend. And um, 
he was talking, he said, Dino, what are people going to hear when they tune into your show? And I said, frankly, you'll never know. <laughs> and and like I said last night, this is one of those that I've always wanted to do. I've just never gotten around to it. And, Hunter, I, I appreciate so much you taking your time yeah. and sharing your expertise. And this is this is we agree this is kind of going to be some generalities that you can start working on. I think mm-hmm. I think you and I are, are kind of the same mind that on down the road we're going to try to do some more specific stuff, maybe with the call-in aspect. That, yeah, uh, that would be great, sure. So, but, uh, yeah, again, technical, thanks for doing this. Technical or offer, offer a little bit more technical. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, and and it's it's all gonna be good, folks. So you just yeah, you just never know what you're gonna hear when you tune in, and and that's that's the fun of doing this show, and it, yeah. it's the joy of having good guests that know what they're talking about, and and love to share it. So it's uh, it, it all works together. All right, so we, you know, when you left off that last segment, we were talking about background and your, and, your, and how fast your shutter speed moved and the one and. Take that one more time and just sure. make sure everybody's yeah, got that, it. That may have gotten a little, a little jumbled. And it's it's not the simplest. Um, it's a lot easier to illustrate with, with uh, like, actual illustrations. But uh, I, so your aperture refers to how, how big around uh, how big around the opening is that's okay. exposing your, to your film or camera sensor or whatever. A, I'm just going to just really simplify this and say right. a lower number is going to give – is going to – uh, give you more background separate. In other words, the background is way out of focus, and your subject is, if you do your job right, perfectly in focus. Right. Portrait shots uh, would would be a great example of something like that. They, they're very very big on that. The, the the face, eyes, everything is in focus, and then the background is really blurred out. Okay. Um, let's say you you're taking a, a landscape shot. Well, you know there, you know you might kick your aperture. Uh, you you would say slow it down or or kick or, or bump it up to like a seven point one or, or eight or so. Okay. And you don't want the background separation. You may want uh you're going to want a, lo- a wide depth of field. So you have the grass in the foreground that's really uh that's that's tack sharp, and you have this old you know farmhouse and you know two hundred yards away or whatever that it's also sharp, right? Gotcha. Um, that's what your aperture allows you to control. How 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 deep is the field of focus, right? Gotcha. Perfect sense. Perfect so. sense. <laughs> All right. So you got two more. You talked about five to begin with. We covered three of them. Last mm-hmm. two. Yes. Um, this is a this is a, a really big one, I think, uh, and it's a, a real common something I, I see often in in a lot of photography. Get your wait for your subject to do something interesting. I mean, we're part of the joy of wildlife photography is bringing people. Uh, you know, closer to close to nature, showing people, you know, a, a, an aspect of nature. Maybe if they're not used to seeing, well, you know, I've, I've used the example like a, a, of a deer standing in a field and like you snap a picture of it. I mean, oh, we've oh, all that, you know, <laughs> that's not, I mean, now maybe there's a great sunset in the back. Okay. Sure. You know, but, but you get my point. I mean, honestly, that's just not that special. I'm not going to, I've heard one person say, what makes a photo special? If it makes, if it makes you look twice at it, I'm not looking twice at that. Okay. Right. Um, and, and I don't think anybody would. What's so, gonna, what's going to make you look twice? Sure. Wait. You know, let's take the, let's stick with the deer example. You know, you're, you're here's this deer in a field. Wait for it to do something, and it will. You know, maybe it twists a certain way, and and uh, you know, maybe or, or lifts its back leg and scratches under its chin. So they'll do it like that. Seriously, was, that was what I was just thinking about because I've watched yeah, deer do that. that Exactly. Get something like that. And, uh, you know, a duck on the water is another example, especially when people want to shoot down. Like, here's a mallard sitting on the water. Like, 
I mean, come on, that that's not that interesting. Maybe there's a great reflection or something that could that could be you know the, your your compositional hanging point. But but you know, wait for that. You know, you know how they love to you know get up and, and flap their wings. Oh, they're going to preen or do something. That. Yes, uh, he'll do something. Yeah. Uh, and if you're if you're getting started, uh, one of the my, one of my favorite subjects is a great blue heron. They're extremely photogenic, yes, and they're just intense, man. Oh, you yeah. don't have to watch one of those for long before you're going to get some some interesting shots. Uh, <laughs> I I have a lot of professional fishermen as friends, and and you'll be riding oh, down boy. the lake and they'll see one and they go, "There's the best fisherman in the world right over there." They are, and hey, that's a hey. So you don't, that's a good point. You won't wait long before you have one bringing a fish up out of the water no. with water dripping off of it. Yes. And, you know, I mean, it's such a great, it's so much fun to hit those things. So, yep. um, you know, if you're, if you're starting to maybe apply these techniques and, and you want to, you want an easy subject or, or I shouldn't put it that way. I, I love shooting them myself, photographing them myself. Um, yeah, go, go, uh, go photograph a great blue hair. A lot of fun. And they're abundant. It's not like you got to hunt for them. They're pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe this is like the opposite of that. In my opinion, is a black bear. They don't do yeah. anything. No, <laughs> I love seeing. Them. They're so much fun to see, and I and and I'm I'm very excited when I see them. But I'm not excited looking at the images of them. <laughs> they just maybe it's just me. They they they, they don't uh, they don't have that they don't have the intensity. It's just but, a black ball of fur, and they're very rarely yeah. in a hurry to do anything. Yeah, I have I have one good shot of a of a sow with her cubs, kind of looking down at me uh, in a tree. Yeah, that one's okay, but other than that, they just kind of amble around. <laughs> and, uh. and they're hard on your autofocus too, because it, it's hard to lock. Um, well, it, it's sure. hard for your autofocusing systems to lock on a black subject. But yes. anyway, um, but yeah, that's just uh, kind of a, a funny side note. Yeah, and my black are boring subjects to photograph, but I love seeing them. Gotcha. Uh, lastly, uh, and I, I hope we're okay on time here. Um, yeah, still got uh, five minutes. Okay, very good. Um, this one's maybe a little hard to convey, but I, I'll do the best I can. Try to if you if you're just getting into this and and you don't have uh, you know. A high-end DSLR with you know the latest, greatest, fastest lenses and all that, um, and, and very few people do. I mean, they, we're talking you know, your highest-end lenses. I mean, you, you can easily drop twenty thousand dollars sure. on a single lens, um, yeah. and you know seven or eight or six or seven grand on a camera body. I mean, honestly, how many people can do that? Right. Um, you know, if if you're just starting out with with maybe a you know an entry-level DSLR or a point and shoot, work with your camera. And not against it. And what I mean by that, if you're, if you have maybe an entry level, I don't know if I'm allowed to say brands or not. Sure. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah. And I'm not picking on, um, on any, I'm just like say Can, Canon or Nikon, like your, your Canon Rebel or, or your Nikon, uh, like your D, uh, D3000 series, yeah. 3000, 3500, whatever. Um, and those are, um, I, I, uh, had the, uh, the Nikon D3000. I can't remember which one it was anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I know it's like work with those machines. And honestly, you know, you're not going to pick up, say, a, a Canon Rebel or, or, or one of your Nikon D3000s and just rip shots off a wood duck screaming through the timber in low light. It's not going to happen. Okay. Um, like as much as you want it to, um, it, it's just not. So, and, and those, 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 uh, those entry level DSLRs are very sensitive to low light. Uh, in other words, they, they're very grainy, very, uh, uh, yeah, very grainy, uh, in, even in, you know, ISOs under, under 600 or so. Okay. okay. So watch your, 
you know, if you have something like that and you're, and you're getting really grainy images, you just need more light. Um, so, you know, find subject instead of getting out there and trying to, you know, photograph maybe a deer in the hardwoods, you know, in late in the afternoon, as beautiful it is, as it is to your eye, that camera is just going to really struggle with that. Um, Find something, you know, work on, uh, you know, working in, I'm sorry, work on, um, you know, times maybe a little bit later in the morning, a little bit earlier in the evening when you have a little bit more, or, you know, more light enough okay. to, uh, enough to clean up, to keep your ISO down low. And I hope, I hope, I'm just going to take for granted that people have a sense of what I mean by that. Okay. If you don't, if you don't have a sense of what I mean by that, just know that if you're getting grainy images, you need more light. Okay. Uh, now you can slow your shutter speed down, but with wildlife, we're generally not yeah. trying to. We're, we're trying to keep them, you know, keep them high. So work with your camera. When I had, uh, you know, let's go back to the frog picture you, right. you mentioned. Um, that was with a Canon Power Shot. Uh, man, I worked forever on that. I mean, I, it took me several days <laughs> to shoot those frogs, and I finally got the, the right shot. Now, you know, with my Nikon D500 and the you know 500 millimeter lens I have, oh, yeah, that would be. A, you know, but but hey, I had to work really hard for that for that shot. But I, I worked with my camera, and as soon as I started doing that, I got a lot better pictures. And and the image quality, uh, in terms of, by that I mean you know how clear it is and how and how uh, smooth it is, uh, really went up significantly. You know, when you're working with it and not against it. And, um, no, and I'm, I'm, ass- I'm assuming there's a lesson here that as you move up, you learn that lesson when you move up. You immediately apply that to the new one, and the enjoyment's still there. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah, and even um, man, even with I have, I'm very lucky to have the camera system I have, and, and it has limitations. I mean, you know, wildlife photography asks a lot of a camera system. Oh, it does. Hot shutter speeds, very <laughs> often lower light than what we really need against subjects that are generally trying to stay away from us if they know we're there. Um, so yeah, it, it has a lot of a camera system, and and uh, you know especially if you're if you're working with an entry level camera, hey, get out in the get out in your in your backyard in in ample light, and and try to get eye level with that uh, you know with that with that blue jay, and get a good good shot uh, sharp you know keep its eye in focus, get uh, get eye level with it, get a good background, um, you know make sure you're close enough so you're not having to crop a lot, and you're and you're going to start producing images that are really pretty, you know wait for that blue jay to do something. Sure. Um, that's where the fun comes in. Um, yeah. Not not working against your camera, trying to push it to do, like you know, produce a Nat Geo cover photo. Because um, that's that's a frustration level because you're not going to get it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, hey, maybe you maybe you get maybe you get come across that you know a rare species or something, yeah, or, or you, you get really special shot of a blue jay doing something doing something I'll, I'll hit that point again uh you know with you know with that entry level dslr it happens all the time a lot of the pictures on my website came from uh, uh what is practically a point and shoot camera wow. so uh, but that happened when i learned to work with it and not against it you know there's a second frog in the frog picture uh <laughs> good look at it it is hunter thanks for your time man always fun talking to you Folks, we're going to do this again with some more stuff. Uh, in the meantime, take time to get out there. Don't forget the back roads or take it when you can. And don't forget the camera. We'll see you back next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.